Welcome to Breaking It Down, a podcast where I help business owners, executives, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and leaders on how to break through their business and careers. I'm your host, Michelle Falcon, entrepreneur, author, keynote speaker, and businessinsider.com featured entrepreneur. Let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Falcon. It is April 21st. I'm in Toronto working from my condo uh, as I should be because we are all still practicing the social distancing thing. Um, Really quickly, uh, before I welcome uh, my guest, uh, if we haven't connected on LinkedIn yet, head over there. My parents blessed and cursed me with this unique name, so I'm the only Michelle Falcon that you will find. Uh, Let's link up over there. Um, Something that happened to me today, and perhaps uh, you could relate in some way or uh, or another. Uh, I found out today that uh, the biggest speaking engagement that I had all year, it was secured for August, uh, canceled. Um, So that really sucked. Uh, But the reason I'm sharing that with everyone is because I'm not upset by it. Uh, You think I would, but after literally 10 seconds after my agent said that it canceled, I just move forward. Uh, I like taking losses like this on occasion. Now, taking losses like this is different than being an advocate of failure. Um, This is obviously something I couldn't foresee. And perhaps there's some things that you are um, having to take L's for uh, that you aren't able to foresee right now, given the times. Um, There's a really good book by Angela Duckworth called Grit. And it really talks about that topic and character. So I'm using this as an opportunity to be like, it's out of my control. Now, what can I do? So uh, later this week, I didn't expect to have to do this, but all day Friday, I'm going to have to figure out how am I going to recoup that income? So there's uh, if there's a will, there's a way. Um, Let's get into the episode. I am introducing Dave. Dave is the co-founder of CBRE Forward, a platform that tells the success stories behind Canada's most innovative companies. And he's an SVP of office leasing from a very small company called CBRE Canada. Um, I'm absolutely joking about that CBRE. I could not tell you how many people that I know have currently worked for CBRE or have in the past, very recognizable company. Globally, Dave is from Toronto. Dave, before we get started, I told you that I had an obscure question. Going forward, I'm asking obscure questions to all guests. If you could only pick one of these things for the rest of your life, pancakes, French toast, or waffles, which one are you rolling with? It is the easiest answer of all time. My wife makes the best pancakes. Yes. Pancakes, no question. I had a close friend of mine say waffles. I I was like, waffles are trash in comparison to the other two. Anyway. And my uh, my wife makes a, a particular type that we call banana pancakes, but for my two year old, we call them nanny panties. Amazing, so. <laughs> amazing. So, on uh, coincidentally, uh, my girlfriend and I are on this pretty regimented uh, uh, eat, eating plan. It's not a diet; it's just kind of a plan. And uh, for our cheat meal this week, we are making banana pancakes for dinner Saturday night, and I could not be more excited. 
for this home cooked meal. Um, Dave, the podcast isn't about pancakes. So what, what, <laughs> what questions do you have for me? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on and thank you for that gracious introduction of me and CBRE. And I'm glad to know that, um, that, uh, you know us as well as I think you should. So that's great. So thank you for having me on. Of course. Um, so, I mean, in light of what we're all going through right now, and um, in light of me being a leader of a, a fairly significant office leasing team, it's probably not going to come as a surprise to you that my questions are going to be rooted in what we are dealing with currently and what we will probably start to go through as we get back to work. So um, I'd like to preface my question with a bit of a preamble, which is that I've started to notice a real grassroots mental health uh, sort of effort uh, going on within large enterprises, um, specifically in North America. And I can say that that's, that's the case for my company in Canada. And what I mean by grassroots is companies are noticing that it's important that their actual employees have a stake in the game in terms of the mental health strategies that are deployed going forward. So I've seen that picking up. And as we enter this, or as we're in this pandemic, I think it's fairly clear to understand that there will be, and there already is, a subsequent mental health crisis that is going on as a result of this pandemic. And it's different in its proportions than I would say a, a typical economic crisis. Um, you know, and as leaders, our revenue is either on hold or in a lot of cases, it's dead. You know, I don't, you just mentioned an example of revenues that you lost. I don't know if they're dead or they're on hold, but I can say in the office leasing business, the vast majority of what we have been working on is either dead or on hold. So as such, it's created this dynamic for me where I'm being forced, even though I, even though I believe in this as, a, as an underlying principle of leadership, I'm being forced to focus on supporting the uh, mental health of my employees uh, you know, above all else. And I'm finding that I'm telling them things like, I know that they are giving me 100% of their efforts, but I feel that it's important for me to explain to them that 100% today might be different than 100% pre-crisis. And I want them to basically be gentle with themselves and recognize that they might only have a couple days in a week where they truly feel like themselves. So that's my preamble. And in light of that, my question for you is, how do we best lead our people through this incredibly unique crisis? And how do we prepare to support them as we start to go back to work, knowing that our collective mental health is going to be significantly impacted, all while very likely not having the necessary training to support the mental and emotional impacts of such a profound event? So that's my question. First, I'm so happy I invited you on because you're smart as all hell. You ask smart questions. And two, you have a perfect sounding voice for podcasts. So and now <laughs> I'm going to follow up and I bet you anything, Dave, people will stop listening when my voice comes on, but hopefully not because it's my podcast, not yours, but um, Thank you. really good question. And I'm going to answer it in two ways. Uh, one is actually in an acknowledgement. Um, First, uh, fantastic that you have now picked up on this. And I would probably say you've picked up on securing and aiding the mental health of your team members and putting your, them before yourself. I'm certain that you're working on yourself as well too, but um, 
that is just grassrooted to use a word that you were in empathy. Um, the second thing I'm going to say to that is we, myself included, have to be very careful with how we manage mental health because it is absolutely reckless for anybody to position themselves as some sort of pseudo expert. So what I'm recommending to individuals like myself and anybody that has asked me questions similar to this is we need to acknowledge that we aren't the experts, but we can communicate or facilitate the education. So what I mean by that is when I first recognize that I need to take care and protect employees, there's certain things that I know I can do. I can provide them leadership and training opportunities with all their idle time right now, give them coaching on how to sell to clients in this uh, foreign uh, sales environment. But what I'm not going to pretend to do is to aid their mental health. What I will do, though, is I will reach out to somebody that I trust who is a trained professional, like this person I know named Sherry, and say, this is what's happening to our employees. I can unfortunately afford to have Sherry coach every single one of them. But what I will do is go to Sherry and say, what are the best practices for me as a leader to help them with this ever sensitive topic, which is mental health? So she coaches the coach. And by leveraging her expertise, that way I can kind of communicate to my team in the appropriate way. So that is what I'm recommending to leaders just on the topic of mental health, because it is a very sensitive topic to me. And I will never present myself as an expert on that topic without, or I never will, period. But in lieu of being able to give them one-to-one support with actual mental health experts, i ensure I prepare myself first in having those conversations with them. Um, you know, look, it's the state of our environment right now. Our team members are feeling things that they've never felt before. You know, their financial position might be different. Their at home might be different. Their lives might be different. So that is how I would begin with that. Um, the second part of how to actually, let me take a step back and, One thing for anybody listening, if I was to be asking for a budget for anything right now to support our team members, I would be looking at something along the lines of helping them with their mental health by a third party expert uh, if the funds are available. Um, It could even be perhaps like reaching out to a trained professional that hosts a weekly call and they share best practices or something, whatever is feasible or affordable. Uh, to go to the, the second part, uh, Dave, how to best lead your team and support them through this period of time. I gave a couple examples just a moment ago, but one thing that I'm honing in on uh, with my business partners and how they lead our team of hospitality professionals is not assuming that you know what they want right now. You could have a really good instinct of what they need from you right now, 
but let them tell you. So I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. I assumed, and I think every company has done this. Let's hire some online trainers, some trainers from local gyms to host online fitness classes for our team. Everyone's done that. And I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's a fantastic idea to keep everybody's bodies moving at home with some sort of guidance and leadership. But what about some other things? You know, for example, I recommended to my friend and he he did this and he said it worked exceptionally well. Go buy 10 master. It, again, this is assuming it's affordable, but I think it might be. Go buy 10 licenses of master class and share those licenses with your team so that they can have an a la carte education system right now. I like that. For, you That's know, really for their cool. per, because now this, this is two sides of the coin. They could go and listen to Howard Schultz's or, or Sarah Blakely's um, courses on leadership and business, but they could also go and listen to Thomas Keller's cooking classes. Right. So that just came to me when my friend said, what should I be doing? And it it was just an idea. And I was like, tell me if it works. Um, Of course, Masterclass won't like me recommending the sharing of the licenses, but it's a pandemic. They'll survive. Um, (laughs) We need to take care of our team members in in, uh, any any way uh, possible. Um, Aside from that, like, I don't, I think it's poor leadership if somebody was to go to the team and say, what do you want from us? Because often people don't know what they want until it's presented to them. I think going to them with three ideas that you believe they would, uh, that would help support them during this time, because you should know your team well enough that, yeah, you know, Joanne and Steve and Tom are going to absolutely love this for sure, because I know that this is one of their hobbies or whatever. But then it's okay to follow it up and be like, guys, what else am I not considering? Like, what are some ideas? Crowdsource these ideas, because ultimately they are the ones that need to be, you know, taken care of. And who knows how to take care of someone better than themselves? So those that's what I would be looking at doing. Now, one last piece of perhaps um, a solution or wisdom that I would share, um, Dave, for anybody in your leadership position, is this is going to pass, and then things will go back to, you know, no, quote unquote normal, whether that's in a month or a year, I do not know. You're going to have to prepare to give a speech of a lifetime. Every leader is going to have to prepare this. What I mean by that is if you're a smaller to medium-sized company, that presentation or that speech or that town hall might be in person. If you're a very large organization with team members all over the world, then it's probably going to be virtual. But you're going to have to really um, allow team members to look under the hood. What is the current state of the company right now? Because you can't trust people to follow you if they don't have the same information as you. And that is going to be really hard for some leaders. I'm not recommending show them what your financial position is. If you want to, by all means, that's not for everybody. Something that I I would do, but it's not for everybody. Um, But let them know what happened, why were certain decisions made, and why they should be excited about the future. 
and what things need to happen for that future to come to fruition. Um, a lot of companies are just going to go back to normal. Like this didn't really happen and avoid the tough conversations. And I think that's a huge leadership miss. So that's one thing that uh, I'm recommending to, to leaders like yourself. Can I, can I ask you a specific question related to that? Absolutely. Um, I don't know if you'll have a different answer, but I just want to ask it anyway. Um, so what's really unique about Seabury as a company, especially on the brokerage side of the business, is that we have almost two operating structures. We have our corporate structure, which is all of our management and support staff. And then we have companies within a company, which essentially are myself and my business partner, who I would call it lead a small, medium business. So inevitably, we're going to have the speech of a lifetime from our corporate leaders. But then in turn, we're going to have to solve for our own um, you know, way forward and, and getting people excited for our specific company's path forward. So knowing that there's two structures here mm-hmm. and that I'm sort of an entrepreneur, yes. is, there any, is there any more nuances to how you would approach that or do you feel it's the same thing? I would let the parent company deliver their message first because I don't, I think it would be very conflicting if your message came first that contradicted the parent company's messaging. Other than that, it's a team within a team. Uh, and I've, I've seen these structures before, uh, but the two teams need to, ins- need to be closely aligned by definitions of success, um, how you communicate, how often you communicate. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I worked at 1-800-GOT-JUNK, I ran my team. Um, and if this happened and we came back to our workplace and I gave a speech, that was conflicting to Brian Scudamore, the CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK speech, that wouldn't look good. I think that would cause more confusion within my team than having a cohesive message. Uh, If um, an organization like CBRE or or any other organization with a similar format, um, you know, if senior vice presidents all got together, perhaps, our leaders got together within these organizations and said, hey, what's the communication plan here? Because we shouldn't be have conflicting messages. I think we should all be aligned with our messaging, at least on a few key points. Um, because in the absence of communication or in absence of aligned messaging from leadership, then opinions are formed. And your team members may go home and form their own opinions. And that's very bad, especially if they're, they're not factual or what you want them to believe in your leadership and the company and the future, the near future. Mm, uh, I really like that answer. I'm glad I asked because it's, it's definitely going to keep that in the front of my mind as we move yeah, towards whatever I, new normal is. Yes. Um, I actually, I want to ask you a question. What are you looking forward to? Like we're, we're all living in, in, let's call it, we're living in shitty times right now. But Mm -hmm. I have many conversations every day, friends, business partners, um, acquaintances, and I've actually politely now said to them, and politely because we're all Canadian, but um, I've said, I'm I'm not looking to, if you want to have a call, fantastic, but I'm not looking to dwell. I'm not looking to talk about what we're 
uh, what has happened weeks ago. I'm not looking to predict when this is over. If you want to have a chat about what you're excited for, let's let's do it. Because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, for me, it's kind of a mental, it's a mind shift. Uh, so I'll kick that over to you. What are you excited for? I am excited and extremely hopeful for the fact that this will actually want to bring people closer together and not forget all the things that make us human, which are hugs, pats on the back, like physical embrace. Um, I, I feel that it's so crucial that we come out of the other side of this and find a way back to that as quickly as possible. Otherwise, I, I just think the implications of, of not going there are, are just extremely far-reaching. So I, I'm excited for that possibility. I believe that it will happen. And I believe that um, we will look to disease prevention as a way of predicting and solving for the future, not isolating ourselves in any way that I, I just I can't see a world where we will go back to some dystopia. And I just I just know that our generation, you and I, are going to lead the charge on that. So I'm very excited for that. Me too. I'll, I'll echo what you said. I'm looking forward to, you know, governments investing more in healthcare and the healthcare worker and individuals that are really shining right now, the industries that are really supporting us become the new billionaire. Right? Like we applaud capital capitalists and, and so forth. And rightfully so. Um, to a certain degree, I suppose, but um, putting more attention to what matters and resources, attention and resources. Like, what would America look like if they spent ten percent less on war and ten percent more on healthcare? Yeah, no kidding. Um, not going to go down that rabbit hole on this podcast, <laughs> um, because uh, I'll I won't stop. But um, Dave, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. What ways can listeners support you? Like, what are you, what are you working on? What do you want attention on? Yeah. So first and foremost, I post tons of content on LinkedIn. And I would love if you got involved and got engaged with that. A lot of it is uh, geared around real estate and office leasing. But I do post a lot, as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, on uh, showcasing and telling the stories of Canada's most innovative companies. And in that regard... We are going to be starting our own version of a, of a podcast or a webinar in the coming weeks where we're going to be talking to companies, leaders of companies about what they are doing to contribute in a positive way to this crisis and how they see the future of work going forward. So if anyone listening has a Canadian founder or CEO that they think would benefit from being featured on CBRE Forward in light of that type of conversation, I would love if you got in touch with me on LinkedIn. Fantastic. I am going to link up Dave's uh, LinkedIn profile in the show notes somewhere. Uh, So uh, click that link, connect with him on LinkedIn, check out some of the great content he posts regularly. How often are you posting on LinkedIn per week? Um, I would say anywhere from one to three times a week. Um, I don't like to over post. So I'm making sure that when I do, it's got a purpose. Fantastic. With that being said, uh, find us both on LinkedIn. Dave, thank you so much for coming on. It's been uh, a pleasure getting to know you. Uh, We finally had our chat. And uh, next time you see Jackson Turner, tell him I say hello. Although (laughs) I'm sure I'll talk to him shortly. Will do. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your insights.
Thank you so much, Dave, again. And everyone, thank you for listening to this episode. I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If your company is interested in inviting me to keynote speak at a company event, be sure to visit my website, michellefalcon.com. If you have any questions on what you heard on this episode, email me directly at michelle at michellefalcon.com. I'll see you on the next episode.